That's Debatable is sponsored by MB&G. MB&G are specialists in the esoteric world of vehicle and furniture warranty insurance, delivering quite marvellous customer service, prompt claims payment, and a highly developed understanding of how to deliver these products in a way that is both compliant with the regulations and attractive to customers. And welcome to That's Debatable, the weekly news podcast of the Free Speech Union. Well, Ben, I think another item that's been in the news over the last couple of weeks um, and which has been on our minds a lot is the case of um, Roisin Murphy, who ended up in all sorts of trouble with um, just before she was publishing a new album. She is uh, a musician and she, I think it was a private chat she simply said that uh, she made some comments about uh, puberty blockers and her view on that, and 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 it, it somehow got leaked. And as a result of being leaked, she, of course, to use your phrase, I bet you can guess what happened next. She got into terrible trouble on Twitter, and her um, uh, record label decided that they were going to, um, they asked her to put out an apology, and then she gradually found that the, pro, you know, the proceeds from the record label were now going to go to transgender-oriented uh, charities, and 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 she ended up in a sort of complete, completely, as we've seen, normal sort of pitchforks and pitchforks and pronouns. It reminds me of that episode we had right at the beginning of that's debatable. She was treated as if she'd committed blasphemy, uh, and and. Saying sorry didn't help. It was thrust throat through more meat to the wolves. And so I thought um, it got me thinking about blasphemy. And, and again, Brendan O'Neill wrote a fantastic article in Spiked on blasphemy. But it also crossed the same time, or this happened around that same time, I went to see The Crucible at uh, the theatre. I, I um, don't know. Do you know, the, do you know the play The Crucible, Ben? Well, I've I've not seen it already. Um, I I know what it's about. That's a no. So by the you're way. going. To I don't know anything about it. I've not seen it, and I'm not ready. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's it's um it's a, a McCarthy era play, isn't it? Um, that's right. About about witchcraft. That's, right. that's basically what I know. So, so you're going to have to educate me. I'm afraid. Well, yeah, it's a very it's one of Arthur Miller's most famous plays exactly right it's generally interpreted as being a, a commentary on the mccarthyism that was happening at the time the play was written but it goes back to uh, massachusetts in 1692 i think uh so very early on the generation after the pilgrim fathers i would say the pilgrim fathers had died out by that time but it's their children and grandchildren who are running the colony out there and Salem, it's the Salem witch trial, in effect. Uh, and the play is all about the children who, who kind of catch a virus. We could call it nowadays, we could call it the woke virus of um, believing that other members of Salem, other, other citizens, uh, are in league with the devil, with Lucifer. And, uh, you know, you look at this little... Uh, um, uh, town, village, and you, you kind of get a sense in the play of the isolation uh, that they, they were living in. You know, many of them 
in the town, in the village, they were, they were veterans of the Indian Wars. And you hear that phrase and you go, of course. There was lots of conflict happening with the Native Americans at the time. There were, there were people who were going and fighting. Um, it was a very sort of thin slither of, of land that was run by the English, the ex-English. It must have been absolutely terrifying because you have on the one side this vast, vast, vast ocean which you have just travelled in a horrendous journey of weeks and months. And then on the other side, you have this expanse of land that seems completely impenetrable and an endless wilderness full of people with whom you have pretty hostile relations, to put it mildly. Um, uh, you know, at least at, at various parts of, of, of the early history of America. Um, so it must have been terrifying. And so you, you can just, to, uh, to try as so far as we can from 2023 recording a podcast, mm. to put ourselves into the minds of people who believed that there were such a thing as witches. Mm. I mean, you can, you can get why they're, they're so frightened and so susceptible to a, a moral panic like that, can't you? I mean, it's just a terrifying situation, really. Well, that, that, when you said on the left you had uh, you know, the Indian Wars and a whole continent full of a hostile, and on the right you had an ocean, uh, and in the middle you had some fairly hardcore Puritans. You know, there really <laughs> yes. was no escape. <laughs> there was no safe space there. No sure. safe space, and no one was pretending that there was a safe But, I mean, the, 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 the play itself, the, the, the key person is John Proctor, who ultimately gets executed at the end. Um, and that's hopefully not giving too much away. Uh, he, he, he's just a normal farmer, and he, but he's a good man. He's a man who will not ultimately will not lie, will not um, pretend he's 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 something that he's not. And the, but the dynamic in the midst of that, you know, so in terms of the woke wars that we we would think about the parallels here, you know, John Proctor is would be a member of our case team. Would so not not a member of our case team would be a case. He'd come to us and say, look, this has happened to me. I've been accused of witchcraft. I need help. I need yeah. help. I need help. But instead, he's obviously thrown into the dungeons. And uh, the other key person that, 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 that is involved is, um, is the, the authority, the deputy governor, Danforth. He is the, the, the local authority, obviously a Puritan, uh, believing the children, believing the, the, the visions that they have. And again, your point about, well, you know, this is not surprising that it, it isn't surprising. These were men of God who genuinely feared for their little community. And if there were something satanic happening in their little community, it would destroy them, their crops, their, their, their livelihood, everything. And so, again, you can see where the authority uh, is coming from. But he also gives you that sense of the power that the authority had. When we talk about employers... And when we talk about the police and when we talk about these things mm. and, and, and our, our members come to us in a state of fear, you realize these, these folks who, who may be trying to do the right thing from their angle and their perspective, uh, they wield a lot of power. And, and clearly this deputy governor um, is a man not to be, not to be crossed. Uh, and if you do, you probably end up going to, to hang. Um, but you know, I, a couple of things in the program. I was I was gobbling up the program when I went to to uh, listen to watch the play because I thought um, I want to see what the commentary is on this in the current woke wars. And the best paragraph 
um, I, I sort of extracted from Malcolm Gaskell in September 2022, wrote in this program um, a piece, and, and, and a, a, a paragraph runs as follows, as follows. The hostile, even murderous fantasies of our ancestors are hardwired into us, animated by economic strain and felt in concentric spheres of existence, from the domestic to the local and regional and beyond to the national and global. The secular witch hunts of our times, like the real ones of old, are failures of charity, a moral ideal eroded by competition for resources, resentment, and brooding suspicion. Witch hunts feed on toxic emotions and an urge to point the finger, frequently cloaked by the anonymity of the crowd. And wow, that I felt that paragraph. This was, I think, it was just before curtain up. And I thought, yeah, charity. Where is the charity? Where is the forgiveness? Where is the mercy? It's driven out by this fear. And the fear is what leads to the witch hunt. Um, so yeah, I, I, I found that I was at the performance and I felt this resonates in every way with what we're, we're doing at the Free Speech Union. I think the parallels and the language of witch hunts, I, I mean, the, the penalty is, is horrible, but, but less severe in the secular version. Um, but I think those comparisons make themselves in many ways, particularly with the, the, the trans debate. Could I offer a different analysis? Mm, cool. Not a contradictory one, but, but just a different perspective. That in the American colonies in the 1690s, you have a group of people in the Puritans who have left England or the Netherlands, wherever they've come from, um, and are looking to build a morally pure community, having left behind a world, an old world, that they view as being deeply sinful. And you can perhaps see where I'm starting to go with this. Mm. And part of the process, as you've just described, this is a generation after the initial settlers, or a generation or two, perhaps. Part of the process of, of that community building is not just sailing there and building houses and building palisades. Part of it also has to be a moral policing of the character of that community. And it seems to me that witch trials are a way of doing that, of restating that these are our values, hmm. this is our faith. And in order to do that, in order to construct your own sense of yourself and your community, it's tremendously helpful to have an outgroup, what academics in academic jargon call a negative reference group, against whom you can define yourself. And so finding that, it's it's not just that urge to point fingers and scream which obviously still exists and you can see that playing out in american footage from american university campuses in the last five or ten years but it's also about the construction of a new community with a very fixed sense of values and i think that is what the the woke movement is about as well it's about it's about leaving behind a corrupt old world and ushering in a morally correct new one and in order to to construct that community and that sense of values you have to have enemies I think that's, uh, uh, thank you for, for drawing it out, because I think you're absolutely right. It, it, it's about a time of change, isn't it? It's a, the, yeah. the, as you say, the Pilgrim Fathers were trying to, to move beyond what they'd left behind and create something new. 
and to be pure and leave something behind and therefore in being infected by any of what you're trying to get away from is dangerous having something of the resi any anything residual within your new existence from the old existence that was bad is dangerous and to be crushed and as you were talking there i just felt very much that sense of summer 2020 where everything was being <laughs> it felt as though everything that was being toppled statues were being toppled um ideas of anti-racism ideas of critical race theory were suddenly sweeping in and sweeping away the old which was deemed bad you know the old martin luther king way of looking at race the old um uh colorblind view of looking at race was swept away and embedded in institutions in a moment were these new ideas of anti-racism microaggressions with no debate no discussion and if you were from the old camp if you were not going along with the new version of the religion, then yeah, absolutely, you are you're hounded out of town, um, and and there isn't a place for you anymore in the new institutions and the new community that's being built, and the new way of looking at the world. So, I think I think you're right. It's the time of change, never a time of stability. Which witchcrafts come out of a time when there's sorry witchcraft witch trials and which scary times when, when there are witch hunter generals stalking the land, they come from a time of instability. Surprise, surprise, in England, the Civil War was a time when the witch hunter general was, was, was afoot. And here we've got a time in America where we're trying to create a new world. That's a really powerful observation you've made, Ben, I think, there. I don't pay Tom to say things like that, by the way, listeners. But I do think there's something in it. Um, and, it, you know, it's one of those funny things. When, when, you do a, when you do a history degree, my undergrad was in history at Exeter. And um, it's such a modular programme of study. And no two history students will do the same thing. So there's a cohort of us who go and do British politics since 1900 and then do something on the Russian Revolution and something on whatever else. Um, and then there's also the branch of going into the history of medicine and witchcraft and the history of political thought or uh, religious belief and so on. And there's a really interesting and completely, I think, obvious sex divide into who, who does what. So <laughs> it will not surprise anyone that the population of the module on strategic bombing in the Second World War is an overwhelmingly male enterprise. Whereas witchcraft is a subject that female students just seem to find endlessly fascinating. And I think one of the reasons for that probably is that it, it's, it's an occasion in which women in early modern history and medieval history, later medieval history, take centre stage. That, that's obviously relatively unusual. So I can see from a female point of view why the history of witchcraft would have a particular resonance. Um, also the fact that in the current culture war, climate, the trans debate and the hounding of women and so on. It, it resonates in the ways that, that we've just talked about. Um, but it, 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 it does make me chuckle sometimes when you have these arguments about equity and the idea of all outcomes must be the same, when it seems completely obvious that the barrier to female students taking a module on strategic bombing 
is not sexism. It's just that men and women generally tend to be interested in quite different things. And of course, there's some overlap and there are some women who have typically male interests and vice versa. Um, yeah. But that, that, that seems, you know, and so it just it exposes the whole nonsense of equity because when you give people complete freedom of choice, they will choose the things they prefer and different groups prefer different things. Um, well, the equality that's rambling. Outcome. Yeah. Yeah, I've, I've gone off on a, on a uh, digression there, Tom. But, well, we've um, ended up at equity. Anyway. Well, I feel, I feel like Thomas Sowles joined, yeah. joined the chat, um, who, who said a lot of interesting things about equity and, and exactly, you know, kind of trying to socially engineer people is insulting. Trying to socially engineer people is, uh, de de treats, them as, treats them as less than, takes away their agency. And, and at root, I feel that you need to give people their agency to make the choices they want to make in life and to end up, um, you know, taking responsibility for the consequences of, of it. But, um, yeah, I think, I think uh, there's a whole different discussion there about, uh, about uh, you know, um, why people choose to do different things and, and, and trying to socially engineer people, which is what so much of the woke reality yeah. is at the moment, just is never going to work, uh, not even in the short term, and certainly not in the medium term. Um, well, speaking of choosing different things, Tom, I have to confess, while you were at the theatre over the weekend, I was watching Carry On Up the Kyber. So, listeners, you're <laughs> guessing high culture and low today um, and i have to say it was fantastically funny so in my family there's, there's been this um this campaign of nagging by the older generation uh, now in their 60s that uh, us youngsters in our in our 30s have to watch all of the carry-on films because it's so funny and i've been a little bit resistant a little bit wary but it was hysterical it was absolutely hysterical i've not been able to shake it since um unfortunately it has ruined um I, I've been I've been reading Kipling's book Kim, and unfortunately, <laughs> partway through reading that, one evening I've watched Karen up the Kyber, and it completely ruined Kim for me. So I'm not sure how I'm going to be able to get get back to that. Um, yeah. But it's wonderful. I mean, it's it's such a funny film. And yeah. would they make it now? Obviously, you need to watch the Pink Panther not, next. But, uh, um, Pink Panther, yeah, yeah with list. Peter Sellers. You'll love that. You'll love that. Yeah. We uh, we yeah. used to watch that on. Uh, on our Christian camp weekends away, and the rector of the the church would be in utter hysterics. I couldn't work out why, but but I mean, talking about that, actually, I think that, and this this may be, we could start this discussion, Ben. I I, I think there's a lot deeper um, that we could go than we will in the next I don't know five ten minutes. But talking about religion, I think we know that we're talking about a new religion in the woke world. We're talking about ceremonies, we're talking about language, we're talking about liturgy, and if you say the wrong thing, you're a heretic. We, heresy is, is alive and well. And, and this comes out of our witchcraft discussion. I think religion may also be a way through this. And um, I, this is why I think one, it would be lovely to get a guest who is working and supporting uh, particularly Christians. And I wonder whether a lot of what we're seeing is the, the direct result of the decline of Christianity and the understanding of Christianity in England and, and Scotland and Wales and Northern Ireland. And that essentially we're now reaping the consequences of a generation that is utterly unfamiliar with what Christianity is. But when you go 
into Christianity. I think it, it, it helps us to pick a way through that. I mean, just a couple of ideas that we could explore, at, you know, at length in, in future uh, discussions. But there's a lot in Christianity about not quarreling over words. Don't get hung up over words. Uh, think about the deeper truths. Um, and, and in the New Testament, there, there, you know, in Timothy, Paul writes to Timothy on multiple times, don't keep on quarreling about words. There's a lot about don't call the truth a lie and don't call the lie a truth. Uh, that, that isn't just the New Testament, that's the Old Testament. So it's this Judeo-Christian background. That, you know, the, the prophet Isaiah says that. Um, and again, I think a lot of what people who come to us have to talk about, they come to us and say, I've been had to, I have to say things I don't believe. I have to sign up to things that I think are untrue. And that, again, is tackled in, the, in a Christian background. It's don't, don't sign up to things that don't, don't call things that are true false and don't call things that are false true. Um, and the third area, I think, is the whole area of leadership. And what real leadership looks like. That you know, the, the Bible and Christianity is pretty scathing about um, a type of leadership that puts itself first uh, for its own sake, or a type of leadership that doesn't properly look after you know the smaller person. And I think we can learn a lot again from what servant leadership is and a servant heart. And so one of the one of the, this is one of the big things I'm thinking. Maybe we've had the key in front of us all the time. And I speak as someone who the last time I went in a church was probably two or three years ago. So um, I'm a complete and utter hypocrite, Ben. I'm gonna I'm gonna make that crystal clear at the at the front. But I think there's a heck of a lot of wisdom that could help us to pick through a lot of what we see in the woke wars. Um, and I could go so much deeper than what I've done in the last few minutes, but I, I won't. I'll spare you for now, Ben. <laughs> well, yeah, I, I mean, I, I can see entirely where you're coming from, and this is a question I really oscillate on. Um, and in, in a former life, I used to work for the National Secular Society because they do such good work on freedom of speech and opposing blasphemy laws and so on. So that was my interest in, in secularism. Um, but since then, I've come to a similar sort of conclusion um, to you, Tom. But I would say that I think that the, the successor ideology that is woke is something that could only have come about in a Christian or post-Christian context. It, it's not something that could have arisen in any other religious context. And it, I mean, in the same way that the, the Europe that arises in the Dark Ages and the, the or what you might now call late antiquity or the early Middle Ages, in the same way that's entirely prefigured by the ancient world, by the Roman world that went before it, so too woke is is prefigured by Christianity and the idea that the first shall be last and the last shall be first. I, I mean, that almost works as a statement of, of what woke progressive politics is all about. Mm. Um, and so but, you, you, have, you have, yeah, go on, go on. No, I, 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 it's a couple of questions. I think it's like skimming uh, the thin topsoil of Christianity and using that to create woke. But what it's left yeah. behind are the much deeper foundations. So there are things like, you know, be good, do good, do good to your neighbor, 
there are uh, uh, ideas like you said, you know, the first should be last and the last should be first. But actually the Bible often says exactly the opposite of those things, of that sort of topsoil, simplistic, reductionist view of various doctrines. And there's a reason why it says the opposite a lot of the time, because it's the same deeper truth working out in slightly different ways in different times and different scenarios and different parts of the broader span of what this big religion, God revelation thing actually is. That we, we kind of, we don't really get a summing up of it other than wonderful moments in the New Testament, for example, John chapter one, which is the Christmas, the Christmas chapter, or Isaiah 53. You know, there are, there are huge big high points in the Bible, but there are internal contradictions. And those internal contradictions are there for a reason because they, they are deeper truths about the nature of humanity. And I feel that the, the woke version of Christianity has just taken the, the sugary bits and stuck them together yep. like a three-year-old's project. But have I ranted there, Ben? <laughs> well, a little bit, but it's, it's also, it's not self-aware of, of its own origins. So if you ask the HR advisor uh, <laughs> why he or she believes the, the things that he or she does, they're not going to say, oh, it's because the first should be last and the last should be first. Um, right. But I do think that a post-Christian age is an essential precondition of the woke age. And I agree with your criticism of, of the ideology that we're, we're grappling with. Um, but I think it remains the case that there's a reason this is not happening in India or Saudi Arabia or Japan. It's not happening in those civilizations. It's happening in, in the, the wreckage of Christendom in the West. Um, and so woke is like the sort of bastard child of Christianity. Um, it, it, you're right, it, 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 it doesn't engage in a serious way with where it's come from, but then it doesn't have to. It just, it just has to rely on the vague afterglow of Christianity that still remains. Well, why is it not happening in South America? Um, I, think you, I think the English language is another precondition. Got it, yeah. Yeah. It's not just the religion, it's the language, it's the, it's the particular yeah. Yeah. incarnation of of where history has got to in a, in a particular yeah. moment. Um, yeah. I mean, I used to I used to say this as a joke, but now I, I sort of say it seriously. That the the quicker that Spanish becomes the national language of the United States and American politics becomes incomprehensible to the British, the better. Um, <laughs> so so partly it's the it's the Anglosphere contagion as well. I think. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. There's lots more we could say on that then. Yeah, I've forgotten how we how we got to I've forgotten how we got to this point. Huh? We started with the witch trials. We moved witch on. Trials, that's right. Yeah. Via equity, we moved on Via to uh, religion and whether religion might be a way through uh, the, yeah. the 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 difficulties. And I would apologise. You know, I I mean, we we often get very. Um, you know, you talk about the Roman Empire. I get very excited when I get to sort of expound some biblical theology. So I apologize for people who are not as interested in biblical theology, New Testament references and Old Testament references, but I certainly find they enrich. I think they are a part of, 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 of where we've come from in, in this country. And I think they, they do enrich our understanding of, of what's happening. I don't fully understand your point yet, Ben, about why woke is a post-Christian 
I don't think you're wrong, but I don't fully understand that connection, I have to say, why it's emerged. Okay, so let me, and you'll have to forgive me again speaking about the Romans, but let's take the emergence of feudalism in Western Europe in the early Middle Ages. The reason that happens is because in the third century, the, uh, under under Diocletian, there is a system in which a man's profession is passed to his sons. And this is the beginning of what will become the feudal system. So it, it, I think it would be ludicrous to say that there were barons in the 11th or 12th centuries who were saying, oh, well, this is the arrangement because of Diocletian. They weren't saying that. They weren't, they weren't self-conscious of it in that way. But just as Roman Europe was an essential precondition to the early Middle Ages and the economics of the early Middle Ages, so too is Christianity an essential precondition to woke. It's something that could not have arisen in another context. It relies on Christian impulses, um, the, the, as you described it, I think you used the, word, the sugary stuff or the froth. Um, right. And, and it relies on a set of impulses about... Yeah, and it relies on a set of impulses about about protecting the weak, toppling the, the or disparaging the, the, the powerful, um, and the innate value and worth of people who are the or perceived to be at the the lowest end of society, mm. and so you have to have all of those assumptions already baked into your society for the work movement to take hold. If you are from a different cultural context where it's not obvious that the life of a slave or whatever matters, and this is the argument Tom Hogan makes very, very persuasively in Dominion, um, it's very difficult to see why you'd get caught up about Black Lives Matter or mm. the trans rights crusade. Um, so it's, it's not blaming Christianity, it's just saying that this is a kind of unintended consequence it's it's it, it, it's you could say it's part of a continuity you could say that it's a successor state to christianity and so just like the the emergence of feudalism it, it requires a set of historically contingent things to have happened first i love the patterns here ben because it feels like the the, the pattern here is that the, the best things actually of christianity become the worst things of woke, and, and the, 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 to, when, you, when you were speaking, you know, it's, it's like Lucifer was the, the most valued and wonderful angel, you know, the right hand of God, and he became, he fell so far that he became Lucifer, the devil, uh, the very opposite, the very antithesis, and that's a pattern we see throughout Christianity. Um, and, and in woke, what you're, what you're saying is that all the best things about forgiveness, mercy, caring for people, caring for the vulnerable, for widows and orphans in their distress is one of the sort of signature um, uh, uh, word sets that, goes, that, that resonates through a lot of the New Testament letters. Care for widows and orphans in their distress. All of that has now been weaponized and turned into, well, you need to, if you come from that way of thinking, you need to treat this group like this and, and, and with a certain deference because that's what being good means. And it's a warped yeah. version and a very distorted version of everything that was good with the original religion. And that's a really deep thought, Ben, um, that I'm going to have to think about. The the argue, I mean you you need um, I strongly recommend reading Tom Holland's book Dominion um, 
uh, and it's it's a very powerful account of how Christian teaching has survived um, and and sort of gone into the the, the bloodstream of the West, um, mm. even if we're not aware of it, and even if the woke are not self conscious of the historical antecedents of of the way in which they perceive the world. But I I, I think the point that you know, th these are these appeals to protect the marginalised only work if you give a damn about the marginalised. Yeah, and that is a feature of Christian thought and teaching. Yeah, it's it's not a feature of of civilizations in antiquity, for instance. Then that's that's Tom Holland's argument, and I think it's very persuasive. I shall go and I shall go and read that. I shall go and, but I yeah, mean, this, pick up a copy. This is such a we could we could carry on talking for 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 hours. But I'm very aware of our listeners, and uh, as I say, I I, um, I I find this whole area really interesting. I'd love us to get a guest on a lot of a lot of um, the people that we 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 speak to are from a Christian background. Uh, a lot of the friends of the FSU are, are from a Christian background as well. Um, so it'd be great to, to carry on this discussion in, in another episode. Um, but yeah, thank you to everyone who's listened today. Uh, do you have anything to add, Ben, to what we discussed today? If you find yourself targeted by witch finders, <laughs> email the Free Speech Union at help at freespeechunion.org and we will be delighted to assist you however we possibly can. Uh, sign up as a member on our website if you're not already and thanks for listening. So goodbye for now. Until next time. Thank you very much, everyone. <laughs>